Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the True Wealth Podcast, where we discuss the well-being of a Christian business owner and the different facets of growing a business, all from a Christian perspective. Welcome to the True Wealth Podcast. I am your host, Shewadeyemi. Thank you very much for joining us once again. So, principle number three is totally related to what you just said, Sean. So, you must have been reading my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) So, principle number three is that a written proposal will increase the price. Now, the only way I can increase the price is providing by the customer receiving more value. So what I'm basically saying is having a written proposal will communicate to the customer even better what the value is that they'll receive. So the written proposal needs to cover three things. It needs to cover how I will serve my potential customer. And if it's a renewal for an existing customer, same principle. It's how I'm going to serve that customer. Principle, the the the. Second thing that the proposal, the written proposal needs to include is the value that the customer will receive from working together with me. And the third thing is the price. I which like of, that, that, that. Which of those three do you think an, um, a business owner would, would um, be most hesitant about? I think they would. I think it's the price. I agree. Over and over and over. People who do like per hour pricing or something or a, like a fixed price or something like that will say, well, how am I supposed to know? Like, I, I don't know how long it's going to take. And in my mind, I think, OK, you've been a lawyer for 25 years. You know, you've you've been doing exactly the type of work that that I'm asking you about for 25 years. Um, I, I absolutely agree. You do not know how long it's going to take. You don't because there's there's uncertainties. But based on your 25 years of experience, you can probably get a pretty reasonable range. That's right. And, and, and it's possible that if you charge me at the high end of the range, I'll be excited about that. I don't, know, I don't necessarily know what that range is when he were to mm-hmm. give me a price. But if he charged me at the high end, I might think, you know what? I don't know how much work this is going to be for him either. And I, that's like an insurance policy for me. Like I know that that's the cap. Like he's going to serve me. He's going to meet all these things, and that's going to be the price. And I feel comfortable with that because I, most of my career, um, you know, in, in public accounting, um, I'd say, hey, you know, my rate's two hundred seventy dollars an hour, or four hundred fifteen dollars an hour, or whatever the number was at that time. And right. you know, we'll we'll see how long it takes and hope for the best. I'll try to keep it as as quick as I can. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that doesn't provide much comfort for a customer. And that's so, right. And. I- I like your second your second option here is the value they receive because sometimes I think um, when we are trying to set our prices because I know sometimes I I go through that where I do prepare prepare a proposal for my clients or those who are, who meet me for the first time and I'm trying to set the price but one of the things that may be lacking is the value they would receive and going back to point number one. Or is it point number two? The value they would receive is twofold: is both the tangible value and the intangible value, the needs and the wants. 
is being able to communicate that effectively and strongly enough that by the time the client looks or the customer looks at the pricing, they already have a perception of, oh my goodness, this is all the stuff I'm going to get. There's the peace of mind. There is the, the thing, the, my needs, there's my wants. And so the value is, shall I say, secondary. And I've heard this saying, value is only an issue in the absence. I'm sorry, cost is only an issue in the absence of value. So when when is there an absence of value? It's when it's not communicated, when they don't understand. Like, it's possible that the value is real, mm-hmm. but it's not perceived. That's right. So if, the val- if I don't perceive the value that you're going to provide to me, it's possible that I won't receive the value that you could provide to me. Yeah. Like, if, I don't per- if I don't perceive the value that you're going to provide, why would I hire you? Like, Even though the value may be there, but yeah. if you don't if you don't communicate it properly and kind of bring it out and say, here are the things we are doing, here are the things we are accomplishing, and here's what that's gonna do for you. That's the lat the last thing you just said is exactly it. That's what it does for you. So the the five words, the five um, you know key words that I that I um, say I have to ask myself in order to communicate the value that the customer will receive is what difference does it make. Hmm. What difference? What does difference it make? does it make? So my brother-in-law is gonna—he's gonna show up on site ninety percent of the time when this house is being built. What difference does it make? This house is gonna be built correctly. There's not gonna be shortcuts. I'm gonna be making sure my guys are doing a quality job, even if you don't notice the difference. That's the difference it makes. But mm-hmm. but even beyond that, you're gonna have peace of mind that your house isn't just built to the minimum standards of the building code, it's going to be incredible quality. So it's not so much the, it's not so much the house is going to be incredible quality. That's, that's a piece of value. Another piece of value is you're going to have peace of mind that is going to be built to incredible quality. You're never going to have to worry. Uh, I think about, even something it's, it's a little it's maybe off tangent here but i think about the sound engineers at church or or at events and nobody ever notices them when everything goes really well like mm-hmm. nobody even thinks about wow yeah. that was really well put together like there were no technical issues or whatsoever but the minute things go wrong <laughs> <laughs> we we notice it right and i'm sure that's probably one of the things that those in the the sound engineers like it just people never notice us until things go wrong right so and so, uh, so you could say sorry i cut you off sean i'm sorry you go no, ahead. no no go ahead go ahead go ahead <laughs> I, I think you, you you can catch on my thought is that how do i as a sound engineer for instance communicate my value whereas for the most part people don't notice me unless things go wrong so how do i make sure that i'm communicating or my value in a way that you just have the peace of mind that this stuff is done well. Yeah. I mean, one way, one way to communicate that in, in my, in my type of world is to say, and, and, and I don't prepare tax returns, but I could say you will never have to deal with an audit. If an if you're ever audited, I will take care of everything. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's different than, well, I, okay, I paid you to prepare my tax return. What happens if there's an audit? Like I, I'm a little anxious about that because some people are really anxious about those sorts of things and communicating mm-hmm. the value can help reassure them. You know, with a sound engineer, like you, you'll, you can say, you know, the value for you is nobody will know I'm there. Yeah. 
that's what the sound engineer will say. <laughs> that, nobody what, will notice. Nobody will notice me. Like that's that's the entire goal of the sound person. That nobody know. Like, okay, you want to optimize the sound and everything too, of course, but you want to avoid the the squeaks and squawks. Right. So, um, so from further on in principle number three. Um, articulating the wants and needs provides clarity to the customer. What I find is I'll, I'm able to communicate to my customer in the written, in my potential customer in the written proposal, I'm able to communicate to them their needs and desires more clearly than they can even communicate it to themselves. That's right. And, and if I can communicate to them what their needs and desires are more clearly than they can communicate it to themselves, they immediately assume perceive the value they, they perceive the value and they assume that i have what it takes to guide them in accomplishing and achieving those results so yep. and and i think that's i think that's a valid assumption that they're making i mean it's it's part assumption it's part based on reality so that's another benefit of having it written down on paper and the clearer the customer is on the value they will receive the easier it is for them to accept the price yeah that makes sense because if i know that if you are almost mirroring back my emotions or even some of my wants unspoken, but I may have expressed in not so clear words. When, when, when someone mirrors those emotions and those wants and desires back to me, the first thing in my mind is they get me, right? They get what I want. And for them to be able to pick up on all of that, both, both said and unsaid, it means they must know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right. And so and most so of what you just said talks is related to the wants not so much the needs. That's right. That's where that nuancing comes in. It's important mm -hmm, to understand mm -hmm. both of those. Yeah, that's perfect. That makes sense. Okay. So that was uh, the third principle. That's right? three. Yeah. So, so number four is um, it's very difficult to, to price things. It, the, I mean, I'm, it's not a feel good principle. It's just true. It's very difficult mm -hmm. to, to decide on a price. And part of that is what you what you said earlier about, you know, it takes a long time to learn some stuff. And but it doesn't necessarily take a long time to actually do the task like you could have learned something for 10 years and it only takes you 10 minutes to do it. So is it. I mean, it's easy for you at that point. That's something, right. Something that's easy for me. Likely, it's not easy for my customer. Likely, it's hard. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, another reason that it's hard to, to price something is that you're like, oftentimes I'm still, even now thinking in terms of hours, well, how much time is it going to take me to do that? Well, mm -hmm. it's going to take me five hours. So, you know, what, what do I think I should charge for five? What is something that I think will take about five mm -hmm. hours and it's not about the five hours. It's about the value that the customer is going to receive from the service that I can provide them. And so... You go ahead. Uh, I think I think sometimes it's it's being able to get out of our own heads, and uh, what I mean by that is because we've taken so long to perfect a skill, and it comes second nature to us. There's a tendency to devalue what I offer. There's a tendency to devalue the service that I provide because. It's second nature to me. I've learned, I've read, I've worked with hundreds of people in the same scenario. And so when I meet a new customer who needs my service, they don't have the skill, they don't have the knowledge, they don't have the expertise, they don't have the repetition that I've had over the years. And so sometimes being able to price my service, I have to get out of my head 
which for me, it's easy and get in my customer's head and say, I have no clue what to do. I have no clue how I'm going to get this done, but it needs to get done. I hear the things I want to get accomplished. And so once we're able to get our, of our own heads and get into the customer's head, then we can appropriately look and determine what's that value to them and then price based on that. Once we take our own emotions out of it. And I talked to a lot of, um, it's recently many advisors have been reaching out to me because I went for, I went fee for service a few years ago. And, um, I think I, when was it a few months ago, a young guy came up to me and said, okay, I, I, how do I do this? How are you able to charge the fees you charge? Like you, you must be pretty confident. I said, you can do most of the things I can do. It's like, yeah, but my clients will never pay for that. Why do you think your clients will never pay for that? You just have to get out. You just have to get out of your own head. So what's one right? thing you did in order to get out of your head and into your customer's head, Sean? I think I really learned to understand my clients. I built a pro I built processes in place what's, just like you. What's the one what's what's the most important step you took? The actual practical interactive thing that you did to get inside their heads? Ask the right question. Exactly. That's exactly it. You can't get out of your head. If you don't ask them questions, because if, if you're, if I, if I'm just like got the blinders on and I, I know what they need, I'm just going to deliver value because I, I'm, I'm an expert in this and I know what they need anyway. I'm just going to ram it through I, I, that I'm a hundred percent in my head. That's right. Even what I'm assuming is in my head, what I'm assuming about them and their needs is in my head. Mm -hmm. But the, what you said, it's exactly true. That's the only way to get out of your head and the only way to understand them is learn to ask the right questions. And you said something in uh, under number three here that I, I I found really profound and I didn't realize actually what's helped me, what's worked for me is that I, I present a written proposal even before my client signed a letter of engagement with me. And that has actually increased my adoption rates because in the past, maybe you have a, you have a first initial meeting. We talk about, okay, here, here are the things you want to do. And I say, okay, this is how much it's going to cost you. I'm like, okay, I'll think about it. And you never hear anything back. But when you actually take the time to not just ask the questions, but write them down, record them. And then when preparing that proposal, you're able to, I, I kind of get myself back into that moment when I'm in the room with them to remember their emotions and their feelings uh, along with everything that I've written about them and everything that they've given me, all the information they've given me, I'm able to get out of my own head, get back into the customer's head to understand these are their emotions, these are their feelings, these are their wants, these are their needs. And here's the way I can provide that value to you. Then I'm able to charge the prices I charge. Right. So one of the great questions that I ask potential customers is, Shion, it's awkward. This question, guaranteed, if, if you ask it, you already know that it's awkward. If you don't Was ask it, it you can you? guaranteed. <laughs> no, based, this, I, I've, you know, the words in this order are, are intentional. Based on the value you're hoping to receive, what's your budget for this service? Hmm. Or based on the value you're hoping to receive, What's your budget for this type of service? And in almost every situation, my customer says, I don't know. 
Even them saying they don't know is an opportunity for me to educate them about what the what their budget like on the on the value that they'll receive. Mm-hmm. So one time I had somebody say to me a thousand dollars when I asked them that question. I thought, okay, two thoughts ran through my mind. Do I leave now? Or do I be polite and continue the conversation? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I I chose the mature option and I stayed and continued the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, I decided to put together a proposal. And and the I had three options in that proposal. And the lowest price option was many times their budget. The middle option was even higher. And the top option was way higher. And they mm-hmm. ended up saying... We want to take the middle package with an extra piece from the top package. If you could throw that in, how much extra would that be? So they went from saying their budget was $1,000 to paying way, way, way above, that. above that. And I actually called them this week and getting ready for, for, our, uh, for us having this meeting. And I said, and I never asked them this question, you know, years later, I said, you know, do you feel like I took advantage of you or like that was just like unreasonable of me to, to charge the prices? And um, mm. I wrote down in my notes here what he actually said, if I can find it. Um, he basically said, I should have got this ready ahead of time. He said, after you went through the process with me, I saw the value. I realized a thousand dollars doesn't go very far. That's amazing. That is amazing because it, it, the question seems simple enough, but there's actually two parts to that question. Okay, most times, as a business owner, you maybe when you're trying to price your, your service, you're thinking, and you maybe you ask the client, "So, what's your budget? What's your budget?" But that that question is incomplete because what's your budget is there's no context to it and there's no there's no context to how much they're getting but when you ask a question like based on the value you are hoping to receive so here are all the things i want to get done it becomes almost impossible for me to devalue how much i think it's going to cost and so that's where you end up with i don't know Right. So often my response is, are we talking hundreds? Are we talking thousands? Are we talking tens of thousands in, in terms of budget? And so I, I, I normally don't say, oh, okay, well, you don't know. So I'll just roll with that. I'll just, mm-hmm. just, I'll just assume that your budget's high enough for me to even be bothered. So right now, right now, I never, um, I don't, if I'm going to charge less than a thousand dollars, I just give it to them for free as a gift. Like I, I, I never, do any mm-hmm. work for less than like normally it's it's way way higher than a thousand dollars as my kind of my base price but i always ask if they don't know i say okay is your are we, in terms of your budget based on the value you're hoping to receive it's, an, it's another chance for me to reiterate that value are we talking hundreds are we talking thousands are we talking tens of thousands and and that narrows them. down yes well well definitely not hundreds you can't do anything for hundreds you know based on the type of work that i do uh, that's right th- that's what they would say and thousands for sure tens of thousands um i guess if you really showed me the value possibly so so yeah. now so now i've gone from i have no idea to the customer saying they have no idea down to thousands maybe tens of thousands 
and that's that's a different that provides me with that's a, a lot more understanding of of what's happening what conversations happening in their mind and if they do say hundreds shown i say you know what another person is the perfect person to serve you yeah <laughs> no 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 that makes sense because sometimes you have to you have to understand what the value that you deliver to your customers. And in some cases, you have to be willing to walk away, especially when the value you're delivering does not um, align with the price they want to pay for it. Yeah. So another another point in principle number four, you know, it's hard to pick the price. It's hard to choose the price. It's hard to price it is that, you know, I often, most of us often undervalue the intangibles like we were talking about earlier. And these mm -hmm. are connected with the customer's desires and their wants. And it's sometimes very, it's always very difficult. It's more difficult to put a price on the intangibles than on the tangibles. So. So there are a few things, a few questions I have here for you. You said, what are the two key questions that help customers express their desires? Yeah, so two key questions in my business. I actually have three of them, actually four of them. So one of them I've already given you. Based, this is the last question I ask when I do my discovery meeting. You know, Based on the value you're hoping to receive, what's your budget for this type of service? So that's the, the, one of the final questions I ask. One of the early questions I ask is, tell me a memory about money from before age 12. And, and these early years experiences with money have an astonishingly huge impact on instinctive financial behavior that people don't even realize they're doing. Um, mm. and, and it could be, you know, tell me a memory about, like, let's say I'm a building contractor and, you know, tell me a memory about um, building a home or, or moving into a home from, from earlier in your life or something like that. Or let's say I'm a mechanic and, you know, tell me about an experience of, I'm a car salesman. Tell me about an experience of buying a car in the past. Everybody has an experience of buying a car in the past, and normally it's not a, a real highlight experience for them. Right. So if 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 my cus potential customer tells me about a memory about money from before age twelve, that that is that helps me to understand them and and the dynamics that are happening in them. Even if they say I have no memory about money from before age twelve because there was none, even that is an answer. And that helps me to understand the perspective that they're coming from in addressing what they're trying to address, mm -hmm. even if they have millions and millions and millions of dollars right now. So that's one of the, sorry, you're going to say something there, Sean. No. And I think that question helps uncover the intangibles. That's all I was going to say. Yes. Yes, for sure. And then the second question is, tell me about your children and how they're different. Now, not everybody can, can ask that question. It depends on the industry. Um, but, but let's say I'm renovating a kitchen. I'm a, I'm a home renovator or kitchen contractor or something like that. I can say, tell me about your kitchen and how you how you use the different parts of your kitchen. Because that may, oh, you don't, oh, you don't have a microwave. Okay, well that that may change how we design the kitchen. Um, oh, you, mm -hmm. you you like to have like the little oven thing without the stovetop because that's oh, like that, that's going to change, you know, it, it, it reveals some underlying dynamics. So when I ask this question, tell me about your children and how they're different, it tends to reveal some underlying dynamics between the spouses or between the life partners, especially, mm -hmm. especially if it's a blended family. And it also helps to reveal some of the factors that parents may be dealing with in terms of how they figure out saving for children's education or, you know, inheritances or vacations or, or really anything. Right. And, and, and 
you know, I can guarantee that in, in, in a couple, they recognize to a greater or lesser extent that their children are different. And that's, right. that's not good they or do. bad. It's just that every person is wonderfully unique. And that's, I'm glad of that. Um, so both those questions help me to take the conversation to a place that isn't even about the money. And most people's, most people's behavior around money isn't even about the money. And regardless of what industry I'm in, whether I'm in a house cleaning business or I'm appraising real estate or I'm a counselor or, um, or whatever, um, you know, most people's behavior around whatever I provide isn't even about whatever I provide. It's about people's often, experience, you know, related to that. And I, and I think uh, as, a, as a business owner, one of the things is being able to tap into that and using that to separate yourself from the competition, that this is what I will do because I'm able to recognize those other things. Like it's never really about, it's like buying a house. It's never really just about buying a house. It's maybe about finally having a home where I can relax, where I, um, my pipe's not always broken and it's not run down and I constantly have to call the repairman and fix things. There are often a, a lot of other things, just using the house scenario. Mm -hmm. It's not just buying the house. It's also the peace of mind. It's also the right house or the right size or the right structure or the right whatever. It's not just buying the house. You, you and know so what as a, I've, you, you keep going. No, as, as a contra, as, as a business owner, I have to be able to recognize that and pull that out of my customer. What are the other things beyond just this transaction, but affects this transaction? And one of those things could be status or the appearance of success, right? Like it might be, if this is not important to me, but for some people that house, it could be a status symbol. That could be a huge piece of why they're buying a house, why they're buying that house. You know, the, mm -hmm. the appearance of success. Or, you know, like anybody, like it's easy for me to assume that my potential customers would have similar desires that I have when mm -hmm. in fact they're a unique person and I can that's help right. them to achieve that. And, and we're all different and that's, that's, it's, it's healthy. It, it can be challenging and, and it can be healthy. So the third, third question of the four questions that are really important is um, what does success look like if we were to work together? You can ask that question regardless of what industry you're in. Doesn't matter. Uh, what does success? Because now who's talking? Now whose mind is expressing? It's the customer. The customer. They're telling me what success looks like. Then when I get to do my written proposal, I get to say back to them what they've already told me success looks like. And I had one potential customer say, Ian, you know that point you said about you know being able to have a conversation with the kids even after they buy the business without any kind of baggage about that. And, you know, we're out back playing horseshoes and we're just able to talk about how business is going. That's really important to me. But yeah, I know that's important to you because you told me that's important to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the key to our success is really being able to cover that. Um, I actually heard that from uh, Michael Kitts is one of the podcasters that I also listen to. Um, it's what does success look like to you for the customer? Because once we, right. and then so, we now have to. So adding on to that, if we were to work together, almost it, it implicitly insinuates that I'm going to be able to help you achieve that success. So Correct. I think it's helpful to, like you said, that other question about the budget is two pieces. 
this one is two pieces too. It doesn't seem like two pieces, but it's 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 not manipulative, but it's it's expressive, and the words together do make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then we are able to when 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 a, a customer um, articulates this is what success means to me. I then get to ask myself the question: Can I give them that thing they want? Because if the answer is yes, then I know that we can work together. But if the answer is no, then I know that this is not a good fit for me. And then you can stop burning through time at that point rather than preparing the proposal or even worse, having them accept the proposal and you starting to do work and it just being really draining and frustrating for everybody. Right. So by like when I go into a discovery meeting with a new customer, I say I have two purposes in this meeting. One is to understand your needs and desires. And the second is to decide whether or not it makes sense from my perspective for me to put together a proposal. And, and I'll, uh, you know, from the other perspective, you know, do you think it makes sense for me to put together a proposal? So at the end of this meeting, we'll, we'll have understood, all have understood your needs and desires. And each of us will decide, you know, do we think it makes sense for me to put together a proposal? And at, at the end of that meeting, if, if one or both of us say, you know what, I don't, I don't think it makes sense to put together a proposal. Yeah, I've invested some time and and I don't charge people for that. That's my, that's my business decision to, to right. provide that. Uh, uh, you know, as a gift, that's my investment I make. And then, and then we, we move on. And I don't, I don't, I mean, in the olden days, I would have said, okay, this is my hourly rate. And we would have started working together. And I can remember one distinct situation. You know, I, I charged somebody $1,100 when I used to work at the accounting firm and they were so upset about, you know, I didn't think there was going to be this. And it, what you did didn't even seem like what we were hiring you to do. And, if I had just understood their needs and desires, I wouldn't have even, we wouldn't have even started working together and everything would have been harmonious. Everybody would have felt respected and, and we each would have moved on. And I think this is really important at the beginning of a relationship, if there is a relationship, is to identify that. Are we a good fit um, to work together? Do I feel like I can give you what success look like? And can I give you the value you want? And what does that value, what does that value look like for you? And then we, we can both decide, do we want to pursue this business relationship or not? And, and I think at the end of the day, for every business owner who wants to be successful, there has to be a means of filtering through this. Otherwise you're burning through your time and there's opportunity cost of chasing clients or chasing customers or working with customers who are not your perfect fit, who are not your ideal client, who do not value what you provide because there is perceived value and there's actual value, right? And so there is the need for every business owner to be able to filter through every potential customer in a pretty efficient way and to know, okay, which one is a good fit for me and which one would I be able to work with and have a good long-standing relationship with? Yeah, so my process is um, initial phone call for doing some screening and just to f- evaluate whether I think they're a potential fit for me. Mm-hmm. And I, my general 
target is maximum 20 to 30 minutes on that call. Like uh, some people might think that's really long. Um, my projects are fairly significant. So I feel like I'm willing to put that much time in. Then for my discovery meeting, if they, if I say yes, I think it makes sense for us to get together. I mean, back in the olden days, I'd get together in person. Clearly, you know, at this current stage and, you know, <laughs> for most of the last year, it's all been virtual. Um, that's right. Meeting with potential customers. And it, you know what? The process still works. It still works that's very, very effectively. Not as not as um, not as well as as in person, but it still works very effectively. And that meeting, I, I kind of target. I say, you know, plan on. It's almost never under an hour, and it's usually less than an hour and a half. So in that range, um, you know, for me to 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 understand what the conversation that's going on in their mind, it takes more than an hour for me to do that and build some level of of rapport with them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the the investment I'm making before I get to the proposal stage. Well, this has been really great. Um, I think you covered all the the questions you asked, right? There were three of those, and I think we addressed them. Um, honestly, Ian, this has been really great. I definitely appreciate your time. Um, some of the questions and conversations we've had are questions I've had to have with myself in building my process. And I think every business owner needs to have some sort of process to filter through so that they can deliver the value they want. And in the process as a byproduct of delivering, not perceived value, but actual value, delivering that value, the business owner can charge the prices they, that, that reflects that value. And at the end of the day, that's good for every business. Yeah, it's a huge win-win. That's the only way to do business from my perspective. And value pricing is a way to to ensure it's a win-win for for the customer and for for us as the business owners. Mm-hmm. Before I let you go, Ian, uh, for our listeners who might want to get a hold of you, can you tell us about how to get a hold of you, where to get a hold of you, anything that you're working on right now, that you're doing right now that you want to plug on this podcast? Sure. Um, my phone number is 519-323-6215. And my website is iancubit.com. That's I-A-N-C-U-B-I-T-T.com. And my email is ian at iancubit.com. So um, yeah, happy to connect with anybody. And um, I do have a couple of webinars coming up. One's free and one is um uh, paid that other organizations are hiring me to to facilitate, and those will mm-hmm. be on um, business transition, uh, business succession type topics. So one's going to be four sessions, one's going to be five sessions. Uh, they're each going to be about an hour and a half per session, and we're it's going to be very interactive and very um, the value that any participant is going to receive is going to be extremely high. They're going to be able to help understand their own needs and desires more clearly than they've ever understood it. They're going to uh, clearly see some next steps that they can take Mm -hmm. in their business transition. They'll be able to identify what I think is the number one um, obstacle in their unique obstacle in their business transition. So I'll guide each participant to identify in their unique situation, what is likely the number one obstacle in their business transition. And uh, we're going to have a, another value is we're going to have great connection with each other. Um, obviously online webinars are always online. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not going to be in person during a state of emergency. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's, and uh, all this information is on your website. That's iancubit.com. So I A N C U 
bitt.com, right? That's correct. Yes. And it's been a real pleasure being together. Thank you for the honor of, of sharing, sharing this uh, connection with you and, and talking about something that's really been a huge, huge impact in my life. And it's, it's this whole value pricing concept is available to anybody to, to boost their business and serve customers in a bigger and more valuable way. Thank you very much, Ian. Definitely appreciate it. Okay. Have a great life. Thanks for listening to the True Wealth Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at True Wealth Pod. You can get in touch by sending an email to podcast at truewealthpodcast.ca or by visiting truewealthpodcast.ca.